Welcome back to Canal Street Chronicles podcast. I'm your host as always, Brennan Ertl. Today I'm alongside my co-host, Nate Williamson. Nate, say what's up. What's going on, guys? And today we're going to be breaking down the Vegas-New Orleans uh, game that did not go in our favor. And it's one a podcast that we definitely didn't want to be doing. But here we are. The Las Vegas Raiders defeated New Orleans Saints in their first game in their new stadium, 34-24. to The Saints go down to 1-1. One but they are actually still first in their division as it stands right now. The Saints are one and one with that loss to the Raiders. The Bucks are right behind them with being one and one after their win against the Carolina Panthers. The Falcons and Panthers are both tied at zero and two, and the Falcons blowing a ginormous lead to the Dallas Cowboys, twenty plus lead, and the Panthers, of course, losing to the Bucks. So that's where we stand at this given time. But next week, the Packers will come to New Orleans on Sunday Night Football. Bucks will go to Denver to play the Broncos without Drew Luck. Panthers will go to L.A. to play the Chargers. And the Bears will go to Atlanta to play the Falcons. And here we are now talking about the game that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> but, Nate, give me your, just your first thoughts on the game. Man, I, at first they started to pick up a little momentum, and I thought things were going to go smoothly. You know, we busted right out. And then we let up like 20-something unanswered points, which if you've seen the Saints in the last couple of years, you know that's not been something that they've done and definitely not something that they've done regularly. Now, throughout the history of the organization, we're going to push that back because that does happen. But, you know, this Saints team had such high expectations. And to me, that was just kind of like you were the school bully and you anticipated, okay, we're going to go pick on this kid today. We're going to take his lunch money. We're going to eat real good. Uh, show him up on his home turf, and this kid came out with brass knuckles and knocked all your teeth out. That's what that felt like. I think a lot of Saints fans jumped into some crazy reactions. I mean, uh, us too. I know we had a conversation about it last night uh, as a result, and uh, yeah, that was not a fun game. Then Watching that was not fun. It was not what I've uh, come to be used to in recent years, uh, past 10-ish years, with the Saints, you know, there's been some absolutely miserable times, and that kind of felt like one of them, even though this team is absolutely loaded. Yeah, it was a really weird game in the terms of how I felt because that first quarter, it really seemed like the Saints were going to win by 20, 30 points because it was just all New Orleans. Uh, the first two drives, in the back of my head, I'm sitting back in my chair. I'm like, okay, this game's over. They're up 10-0. The defense is absolutely locking down Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs can't get anything going. And in the first quarter, the Saints had 140 yards, and the Raiders only had 34. And after that, the tables just totally turned. And I don't know if it was a matter of the Saints being like, okay, yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. And just getting complacent or just the Raiders start playing that much better or switching up. I don't even know. I mean, the game was like a completely different game. Drew couldn't find – he found Traquan early and often, and then all of a sudden Traquan goes blank. Guys like Lattimore, Jenkins, Marcus Williams, who have been very good, Lattimore being one of those guys who plays like top five corner in the league when he plays yeah. these top guys, but then he's playing Byron Edwards, a, a, a guy who 
has barely even played this year. He's a rookie, and he's just getting torched out there. He's looking mm-hmm. like a little bit of a joke. And Marcus Williams giving up a touchdown. Janoris Jenkins getting handsy, getting – you know, it just didn't go their way. Yeah, no, nothing went the way of the Saints, especially in the secondary, you know. And um, <laughs> that felt a little bit more like watching a Saints secondary from – uh, back in the days when we had a bunch of no-names running around in the show back there that we won't even begin to discuss. But that did not feel like a team that had spent ridiculous amounts of cap and draft picks to improve that secondary. Um, and Marshawn Lattimore, oof, that was a nightmare of a game for him against a team that definitely didn't have any Mike Evans out there. There's no doubt about that. They're, um, they made them look really Really, really good. And that Oakland team, I'll give them a lot of credit for that. I, I'm not, I had nothing against the Raiders, you know. That's not a team that we often find ourselves butting heads with. Maybe now the Sin City versus the Circle City thing will, will start to take over. But, you know, I just, I, they played their guts out, man, and they were good. They were good. They played a heck of a game, and Gruden coached a heck of a game. He, he tore apart the mm-hmm. Saints team uh, pretty much on both ends. So, uh credit where credit's due that it all went their way. And like you said, none of it went the Saints way. Yeah. Another guy is Malcolm Jenkins to the spotlight was on him all night for the wrong reasons. And that was because uh, up and coming phenom, Darren Waller had 12 catches for a hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And on his touchdown, he was, he could have done a backflip and still caught the pass. He was wide open. And it's just not one, a guy that you want to leave open. And it's not like they were just leaving him, but naked open, he was just beating everyone. He was beating uh, Malcolm Jenkins, P.J. Williams. One guy who had somewhat of, I'm not going to say success, could just could go, go, go up against him was DeMario Davis, of course. Um, but again, like you said, the coaching. And the time possession is something the Saints always want. They want to get as many drives with Drew as they possibly can. And in this game, the Raiders had the ball 12 minutes more than the Saints did overall. And the Saints, if you count the last drive, they had eight possessions. And that last possession really didn't count. It's just garbage time, and it got Drew to over 300 yards. So getting the ball seven times, you're not going to win a football game. And the Raiders just were absolutely toying with the Saints' defense, just running the football, play-action pass. And Josh Jacobs goes out for one play, and Jalen Rashard comes up and coughs out the football, and the Saints have life. But that wasn't them making – giving themselves an opportunity. That was, I almost said Oakland, that was Vegas mm-hmm. dropping the ball. And that just, and the playmakers you wanted to see make plays like Emmanuel Sanders, he pretty much just blanked out until that last drive with the one catch. Uh, Jared Cook, he was open a few plays. Drew couldn't hit him. Alvin Kamara, of course, had his amazing game. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was funny to me because my first thought watching that offense go was the success that they had running the ball. And then they kind of just strayed away from that. There was a lot of dump passes, a lot of, you know, the screens that you expect with a Sean Payton offense, a tricky offense. But there, it just seemed like there was a lack of straight up, let's give the ball to Camaro, let's let him go. Murray even had a pretty good game overall, all things considered, against a team uh, much improved so far in these first two games against the run and the pass, for that matter. Um, and it, it really does make me think how undervalued have we been on Oakland um, but it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of go forward but yeah man it, it, it was just tough to watch all around there wasn't that aspect of the electric Saints offense you know you had a catch that I was excited about from Adam Troutman you know we saw mm-hmm. 
come in and grab one. Traquan had a good game. Uh, overall, a couple drop passes that you'd like to see him pick up on. And then, you know, Jared Cook a couple times was open. A couple times they didn't find him. That was another problem. Drew not finding the accurate pass to him, especially. Uh, Josh Hill was open a couple of times and Drew missed him. It, it all kind of comes back to how Drew was controlling that game. And that's the nature of being a quarterback. You know, you get all the applause, you get all the, the naysayers. And right now he's got a lot of naysayers about Drew Brees. So he's got some work to do. You know, you didn't see typically what we expected from him, especially against a defense that was missing a lot of valuable players. And frankly, an offense that was missing a lot of valuable players. They just didn't show up like you thought they would. Yeah, Absolutely. And Kamara had 13 carries for 79 yards, so tons of success there, mm-hmm. as we would expect against that defense. But um, for the people who are who were um, not pro pay Alvin Kamara, he's your leading receiver. He's your best receiver in this game. He's got nine catches for 95 yards. Yep. And that's a product of him being the best overall route runner in the field and Drew Brees not being able to find anyone downfield. And that was a huge talking point of this game. And we have to talk about it. We'd be idiots if we didn't talk about it. Uh, what did you see from Drew in terms of looking downfield? I I don't want to say anything about his arm or anything, but it just seemed like he was looking for the dump maybe first or uh, missing those passes that are usually bang, bang, easy, easy plays for him. Like the pass to Troutman, that was perfect, but he had a couple misses like that for Jared Cook and Josh Hill. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on Drew in this game? In terms of his throwing velocity, I really thought Drew's throws looked like Drew's throws. You know, they're not – the hot Patrick Mahomes coming out of your hand at 120 mile an hour fastball down the middle, but they were accurate at least when they were on. But then for the rest of the time, anything outside of 10, 15 yards was sailing behind. We saw that on the interception was sailing in front. We saw that on the Josh Hill overthrow. You know, there were just times where Drew did not look like anything more than a mediocre meddling quarterback there. As much as that hurts to say, um, granted you're missing Michael Thomas. That does add. And I think we, tend to overthink this where Mike Thomas, you know, he adds a lot in that short game the slants, the the 10 yard ends, the five yard ends, you know, the stuff he's always uh, for some reason criticized for doing well. I don't know why that happens, but that's a whole nother breed of Twitter troll. But, you know, he also gives the ability to open up the top on things in terms of his physicality, his length, his hands, he goes up there and maybe that's not the throw that they make, but Thomas pulls back those safeties or pulls back those linebackers mm-hmm. um, in a way that nobody really I think acknowledges as much and opens things up for guys like Cook, for Troutman, for Hill, for, you know, those guys that run those shorter rants that Drew's had so much success throwing to. You know, there was a level of depth missing from that offense, and I do wonder how much of it is Drew not wanting to throw it, because I think that's part of it. How much of it is Sean Payton not wanting to throw it, because you never know what's going on in his head. That's one thing we've learned. And how much is the lack of availability, because like I said, you know, that Oakland defense isn't great but they played like they were great so that mm-hmm. um you got to wonder how much that blame gets spread around but since you are under center and since you're the captain of the team you're drew Brees, you're a hall of famer probably first ballot you're gonna take that blame no matter what mm-hmm. and i think he knows that i think we all know that and next week if he comes out and has a good or average game we're gonna let off on him i i, I think we'll we'll go back to normal but yeah a rare kind of I don't want to say ugly, but ugly game for Drew and for the entire passing offense, truthfully. Uh, that's why they should have stuck to the run, but not a play caller, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, the first 15 plays uh, known for Sean Payton always being scripted, 
And those first 15 plays, they seem like really good play calls. And the week before with Sean Payton, I was like, like what, are, what are these plays? I, I know I'm just, I just play Madden and stuff, but it's just like I, I feel like I could have gone up there and called better plays. And the second it felt like Drew threw that interception, which I want to talk about in just a second, the play calling from there on, they just kind of shot away from the running game. I thought this was going to be a huge game for Latavius. Um, he got lots of looks early and didn't get much at all later. He got a, a pass thrown to him, but that was pretty much it. Kamara, they just shot away from the running game. I thought this was going to be a game where we would see some Cesar Ruiz. Uh, he played one snap, and that was when Nick Eason got hurt, and he came in literally the next play. I don't know, maybe he's not ready to full-on start, but I was a little bit concerned on that part. But just overall, after that first quarter, like you said, Drew just not being in rhythm, and they got out coached at every level of the game, offense, defense, special teams, defense line, offense line. And guys that are we rely on weekly – that don't have off games, had off games. Cam Jordan, Ryan Ramchek, he got beat a couple times, got a bad holding penalty. Cam Jordan, who has been a guy that's, no matter who we play, makes a good, makes big plays, and he's going against a third-string right tackle, and he was pretty much blanked. He had five tackles, and I didn't see him in the backfield a lot. I know Cam's going to be really hard on himself this week and be better next week, but even the week before against the Bucks. Didn't see that ton of that pressure. And I have Trey Hendrickson written a highlighter because he's been our best defense lineman, in my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. I think Anumad has been very good as well. But Trey Hendrickson's been that guy. And I think it's that much more important for Davenport to get back because the early flashes of the defense line has been good. But, again, there was a play where Derek Carr had like six, seven seconds to throw the football and the fact that he didn't just get out, he just took a sack from, I think Onyemata got that one, I think. Mm-hmm. But the sacks they got, they had three sacks, and they were all coverage sacks pretty much. And uh, the one of the sacks was a Malcolm Jenkins blitz. But, I mean, they couldn't get much going on defense. They couldn't slow down Waller. They couldn't slow down Jacobs. And the Raiders were hitting on all phases of the games. They were better on every level. And uh, switching over to that Drew Brees interception, that's something that, bugs me a lot because you're going into halftime with a three-point lead. You're up 17-14. Go down, maybe get a field goal, possibly a touchdown. And then you're going into halftime tied because you threw an interception from a ball that should have never been thrown. And Drew Drew said that too. He said he didn't want to throw the football because uh, pressure from, of course, Andrews Pete's spot, he had to throw it early. And he regretted it as soon as he threw it. And Nicholas Morrow, who has been a below average linebacker, picks him off. Raiders are in territory and get a field goal. And the Raiders are have momentum going into halftime. And they come out, first drive, and go score. And that was just kind of the pace of the game. It was sloppy on all levels. And this was a game where, like you said, we expected to bully them. We were expecting to go 2-0, and first time since 2013. That's not the case. We're going one-on-one again, and we have the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. That's such an ugly stat. It's the first time since – it would have been the first time since 2013. That that almost, when you think about it, just doesn't even seem real. You know, it's just kind of like this team that was so good in 2017, 2018, uh, really came out and didn't win the first two games. But especially this year, I think, is an anomaly in terms of no preseason, stuff like that. 
Um, but there's a lot of push for that to become the new normal as well. Teams don't like preseason games. So if there's any indication, weird stuff might start happening when we do that. But yeah, it was just not pretty. And the schedule is even less pretty going forward. You know, you play teams like the Packers, you play teams like the Chiefs. It's not going to be easy. And this division in itself is hard. We know we make fun of the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, we're going to make fun of the Falcons. And they're going to get made fun of for that game for a very long time, and rightfully so. But it's just they're a good team. They're a really good team overall, I would say. And not that the Cowboys are any slackers, you know. They're really good, too. I have them at being very successful this season. But, you know, it looks bad when you're getting out coached by the game that you thought was going to be the give-me game. You know, we thought, okay, we'll get past this. We'll get ready for the Packers. Sunday night football, that's the big game. That's what we're looking for. And then we move on to a tough stretch of games. There is no easy stretch of games after this, you know. Even playing Carolina isn't going to be a cakewalk, I don't Mm -hmm. think. Um, You know, there's a history of former quarterbacks coming back to haunt their past team. (laughs) Uh, And I don't know that we'll see that, but I think it'll be less of a cakewalk than a lot of people are thinking. So, yeah, you going down to a one and one is not a great look because if you hit one and two, which is very, very possible after this, that's a tough hole to crawl back from. That's only a very, very small step better than the 0-2 start that we know is just an absolute season killer for teams, mm-hmm. uh, especially um, now that we're hearing the 0-2 team should just full-on tank mode no matter what your situation is. That That's an interesting take, but, yeah, so it'll be interesting. This schedule's tough. This team's going to have to bounce back, and they don't have a lot of time. This is a short week. We're almost halfway through it already. Yeah, short week. And if you go down one, two, Tampa is going to Denver without their starting quarterback. You're probably going to start chasing the Bucks for that division. That's something you do not want to do. Uh, the next game we play Tampa Bay will be in Tampa Bay. And that's just definitely something you just don't want to be doing. Uh, but one of the bright spots of this game, I, there's you can count on your fingers the bright spots in this game. But one of the good things is the problems on the team is – things you can fix. We're not the Cincinnati Bengals in the way that we just don't have good players. We have all the talent in the world. We have the good players. We have the skill set. But they just got to go out there and execute. And this was definitely a week where they just laid a fat egg. Uh, Tackling being one of the eggs that was just terrible. And that's something they can fix. And I wouldn't – tackling is a big thing I circled on my list because that's not something that – yes, the coaches can coach tackling – but they're in the NFL. They learned how to tackle in seventh grade. They should know how to tackle. And I've seen, like, just at some points of this game, the defense loves being so opportunistic. They love getting the turnovers. I just looked like they were trying to punch the ball out, trying to rip the ball out before they even tackled Josh Jacobs, and he's running over people. And, I mean, there's not a lot you can take from this game just because they just played so bad. The film's going to be terrible to watch. I'm really not looking forward to it. But – it's something they got to do, move on. And like you said, it's week two. They've played one game before this, and we can't overreact. Mistakes are going to happen. And, yes, they have Green Bay coming. They have the Detroit Lions and uh, whatever's next. You just can't take any of these teams lightly. And that, I feel like that's something that needs to be talked about because it, feel, it really feels like they did take this team lightly. And Derek Carr's now 2-0 against the Saints. Yeah, and Derek Carr, honestly, is somebody that gets bashed on a lot, but not for a very good reason. You know, when he's healthy, he's a pretty dynamic quarterback. I'm not 
I'm not going to be Skip Bayless putting him up into the wow category or whatever the crap mm-hmm. he calls that. But, like, uh, he, he is an above-average quarterback to me, and I, I actually am a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of the Raiders team, and I, I think they're going to have a pretty successful year even um, with the setbacks that they have and the injury problems that they're bound to have. But, um, you know, as far as it goes, Josh Jacobs is a bad, bad man, by the way. I feel like if we uh, leave that out, uh, we're missing a nut in the uh, good old bolt case. But, man, he was so good, and I, I really do think he's going to be good for a long time if he stays healthy. But, yeah, I, I just feel like if anybody was going to take advantage of Sean Payton and, and this coaching and, and out-coach them – Gruden just makes sense. You know, it's just one of those guys that's so outlandish and so random that he would just be the guy to come along and say, oh, you thought you were going to win this game? You thought you were going to go to 2-0? Nope. And then he's like, you know, we're moving on. And then, you know, whatever happens with the rest of their season, Gruden knows Sean Payton. Sean Payton knows Gruden. So that was always going to be an interesting meeting of the minds. I always call uh, Gruden the NFL less miles because you never know what's going to happen in his games. But, uh, yeah, man, it felt like they looked over them pretty heavily you know early we saw even on twitter mike thomas running his twitter fingers mm-hmm. saying this could get ugly quickly and then you know it really did but not not yeah. in favor of the saints so yeah you're not going to be looking over detroit or any of these teams uh because they're going to jump up and they might bite you just as well and along the way you get bit too many times and in, in a tough year even with an expanded playoff uh you might find yourself in the wild card or on the edge of um I don't want to say extinction, but, you know, with so many changes coming up in the offseason, you might be there. You know, this felt like a truly make it or break it year for New Orleans. And uh, so far after that game, we had one game of absolute make it. That was a well-executed game against Tampa Bay and one game of just absolute garbage fire, light the whole dumpster, uh, blow it up with an atom bomb and start over. <laughs> yeah, so true. And uh, we can look back on when the Saints made the playoffs with Four. They start. They had the zero and two start where they lost the Vikings bad, and then they went home and got destroyed by the Patriots, and they went on to have a very good year. Um, but like what you said about Michael Thomas tweeting, he said it might get ugly fast, and that was why it was so like depressing, mm-hmm. like such a depressing game because it it was going to get ugly fast if they kept the the uh, if they kept the gas going. They. No question they won that game. It was all New Orleans. They had nothing going for them, and they would have won by 10, 15, 20 points. And the Saints were favored by seven, and I was taking that bet. I was sitting. I was relaxed. I, I thought it was game over because the way they were playing, they were clicking on all cylinders. They were just going. They got complacent, and that's just going to happen. Uh, it's very like the Saints. The penalties is the big thing that needs to stop, the 129 penalties, the 10 penalties. Uh, a stat that John Singler tweeted out, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams, and Janoris Jenkins alone have more penalty yards than 23 NFL teams. And that is something <laughs> that is really bad. That needs to stop. That needs to be fixed. And they need to get roasted in the film room because that moving forward is going to what it's going to, it's going to lose you games. And in a way you could argue that this, Kind of lost in that, that game because Janoris Jenkins gets the PI against Henry Ruggs. But they put themselves in that position to get that flag. So you can't even argue about the refs, mm-hmm. whatever. That game and was never meant to be won by them. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. They, they, you could flip five of those calls, and they're still going to lose that game by seven Absolutely. points. So, yeah, Marshawn worries me. That's my thing with Marshawn. You know, we've seen he's been really good since the start. But is there any more development that's going to come out of him, especially this year? 
uh, that'll make that contract worth it. I think it'll be a very interesting conversation to have to see how he does down the stretch. Um, because I love Marshawn. I think he's a perfect fit for the Saints. But sometimes when your secondary is ineffective, you just got to start looking elsewhere. And if that's saving a huge amount of cap, um, then look into the draft for somebody. It's tough to find a cornerback one, but every once in a while, you'll get a draft class that comes along and you'll find some studs in there like they did with Lattimore. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting. I don't think they would ever let him go, but it is something to think about down the line. Yeah, and on a short week, he's got – a great chance to redeem himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Devontae Adams has got a little bit banged up this past weekend, but I, I bet he'll end up playing. But he's got a great shot to redeem himself. And if it's true, he goes again, goes, he plays better against better talent. This is your week to prove it, Devontae Adams. But that's another thing. Then the week after that, when they play the Lions, go up there, play, play good against, they're not mm-hmm. as good receivers. Kenny, Kenny Galladay is really good. But prove yourself, make, make yourself more money. Lock down these rookies. Lock down these guys who aren't Mike Evans, that aren't Devontae Adams. Yeah. Yeah, and just the Raiders also with Henry Ruggs. They added that dimension that the like the Saints were so worried about getting beat over top by Henry Ruggs that they were leaving Waller wide open and Brian Edwards wide open. And leaving a corner on an island is never really safe. I mean, you're going to get beat once or twice, and that's kind of what Marsh Tom was doing out there with the rookie Brian, Brian Edwards just because Marcus was trying to help with Henry Ruggs. And they had a couple, um, during the game I noticed, they had a couple chances with Henry Ruggs that could have been huge plays. I mean, if mm-hmm. Derek Carr put on the money, uh, he had he threw one for sure that overthrew Henry Ruggs. That would have been an easy touchdown. He had another that um, he just holding, holding it, holding it. And if he threw it, it was a touchdown um, to Ruggs and Waller. So that's got to be cleaned up, and they got to be ready for Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think the Saints team's really going to be counting on a Lattimore against Adams, but most importantly, there's not really anybody behind him. You know, you've got Marquez Valdez scaling, you've got uh, Geronimo Allison's not there anymore, but you know these guys that are a little bit smaller named wide receivers, but still plenty acceptable, but shouldn't be a huge threat compared to what the Saints secondary has going on with JJ, MJ, MW. You know, all those guys, especially as Chauncey Gardner Johns could come in big, but. One focal point for me, I think, heading into next week is Demario Davis. You know, he was still solid to good, maybe even above average this game. Uh, it's just the defense around him wasn't uh, on the same level. But uh, Aaron Jones is going to be somebody mm-hmm. that is, they're going to count on Demario to lock down a lot. You know, he's a hard runner. He's a little bit less shifty than a Josh Jacobs type, but he's still going to plow right into you. Um, and Demario Davis is usually really good at handling that type of running back and even dropping back in coverage of those types of running back. Um, and they're going to rely on him a lot, just like Green Bay is going to rely on Jones a lot coming out of the backfield. Yeah, and all respect to Las Vegas, but if they played this game against the Packers, they would have lost by three touchdowns because Aaron Rodgers isn't going to miss those throws. He's not going to not not hold it. He's going to let it fly. Yeah. And they've averaged over a thousand yards, uh, or they've had a thousand yards in the past few games. Aaron Jones leads every running back category imaginable right now. They're just playing out of this world, and the defense really needs a full-on turnaround to get this win. I know we'll talk about more about Green Bay this week, but man, they got to turn it around. Yeah, man. If Aaron Rodgers had Henry Ruggs, uh, that oh team gosh. would automatically be my pick for the Super Bowl. But that's a whole nother story. They've got some other issues, but I'm sure we'll break those down later on. We'll talk about 
uh, what they're going to run up against next week. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially uh, on a week where you need a hard rebound. <laughs> and you need um, – I don't want to make another basketball reference after the 30 that were made in that broadcast last night. <laughs> but you got to go get all the rebounds against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that football, it's probably going to be the last game in the Dome where there's no fans. So mm-hmm. it'd be good to try to get that win without any fans. Basically a neutral site with the, the BS 70 decimals. So just just find a way to win this one. Just I, I don't I don't even care if it's ugly like Tampa Bay. Just just win it. Just just get a W. Bro, Illinois football can put up 70 decibels in a stadium. <laughs> that is an absolute joke when you think about the Superdome. Absolute joke. Yeah, and if, if I've seen other teams that get the 70 decimals and they have like six thousand or whatever amount of fans mm-hmm. there. So they're getting they're getting Atlanta Falcons crowd noise in there yeah so true true they're almost to there to yeah. where the, the stadium's <laughs> almost empty <laughs> yeah well a podcast we definitely didn't want to do we were regretting but the saints fall to las vegas raiders 34 to 24 not a good not a good look but we'll be back next week hopefully with a better um breakdown we'll be previewing this game later this week but sunday night football breeze uh rogers doesn't get any better than this yeah, man. It's going to be a highlight reel in itself. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's shaping up to be a really, really good game where the teams can kind of counter each other's strengths with their own weaknesses. They they line up really well. I think this will be a competitive game. Absolutely. Sean Payton, Matt LaFleur, it's going to be a good one. Hope you guys all enjoyed this podcast. Again, I'm Brennan. He's Nate. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up. Tweet at us. Do whatever. Uh, we'll be back later this week with a, with a preview of Packer Saints. Hope you guys enjoyed. Who that? Who that? Who that? Let's go. We on the road. The next stop. The Super Bowl. Hell yeah. You know we on. We built to do this all night long. Who that? Who that? Say they gon' beat them Saints. They a lie. They can try, but in the don't.